0: and welcome to the first edition of the Time Out with DG podcast in the year 2021. I am your host, as always, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for stopping by. If this is your first time, welcome. If it's not your first time, then welcome back uh, to the proceedings here on the Time Out with DG podcast. It's been a while since we uploaded an episode, so my apologies for that. But as you all know, life comes at you fast, and especially in 2020, that was the case for many of us. Um, working at home is crazy enough, but as some of you may know, my wife is also in television here in Houston. She is the 5 o'clock anchor, primetime anchor, so proud of her, by the way, Rashi Vats over at Fox 26. If you did not know that and you're hearing that for the first time, yes, I did outkick my coverage. No question about that. So uh, I've recognized that already, uh, but I'm so proud of her. Uh, But you know, we're raising two little kids. We moved towards the end of the year. So there was a lot going on. It stinks that I couldn't get the podcast up and running a little bit more, but the hiatus allowed me to evaluate the podcast and what you guys would like to hear What makes a successful podcast? I thought some of the interviews that we had before were awesome. And if you haven't checked it out yet, I suggest you go back and listen to some of them. Some of them are really great. In fact, all of them were great. Uh, But some of them, like Calvin Sampson, was really good, giving some insight on his history. Talked to an astronaut, Clayton Anderson, about his time in space. So a lot of cool things there. But I I think I want to expand the podcast to a little bit more analysis, uh, some more opinions given by yours truly. I think it it needs a good mix. Not just a bunch of interviews, but you need some opinions in there. Um, and I also needed a theme song. Like, that's the one thing I've, I've figured out throughout this whole podcasting thing. All the good ones that I listen to have a theme song. So before, I was always switching Latin music tracks off the top. Right now, I think I've centered on one. Like, I feel like I picked a good one. Latin music coming from my background is... Uh, as a uh, Cuban-American, my family was from Cuba. I'm first generation here, so I, I love Latin music. So I, I think I-, I centered on one. That's going to be my theme song for now, so hope you like it. Um, so yeah, go check out some of the other episodes if you're new to this thing. But if you're not, welcome. And today's topic, as you saw in the uh, subject line, if you will, of the, uh, of the podcast, Texan's Dysfunction figure that's an easy way to kick off the proceedings here in 2021 with this podcast. Let's talk about Texans dysfunction. My guest today, a little later, you'll hear from Mike Meltzer of the Mike Meltzer Podcast, longtime radio personality here in Houston. You can hear him now on Mad Dog Radio, ESPN Radio as well. Great guy, good friend. Love talking to him about all things Houston sports. He is excellent, and we break down what's going on with the Texans. And there is a lot to break down. First of all, let's start with what happened this week on January 12th. Andre Johnson dropping a nuclear bomb on NRG Stadium. Look, I love using that little Elmo picture. It's a, it's a Photoshopped image of Elmo looking up and this nuclear bomb going off in the background. I, I don't think any other picture encompasses that Andre Johnson tweet better than that one. You know, it's very rare that Andre Johnson makes any public statements, right? I mean, he, he rarely comes out and says anything. And when he does say something, you better pay attention to it. That's why I always love talking to Andre. Like, he was always so soft-spoken, but man, his words meant so much, especially when his playing days, when he was in that locker room, man, everybody paid attention to what he had to say. When he was pissed off, then people listen for sure. And it is clear that he is upset about what's going on over there off of Kirby. I mean, he was, here's a guy, by the way, that was supposed to be part of the process in hiring a new general manager, hiring a new coach. And he knows exactly what's going on. He was, he was brought in by Bill O'Brien as well to be part of the staff. He was an offensive assistant. He knows exactly what's going on behind closed doors. And man, when he dropped this bomb on everybody, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. This is what he posted on Twitter about 2 o'clock in the afternoon on January 12th, the Tuesday, that everybody's going to remember. Hopefully, the turning point of this whole thing. If I'm Deshaun Watson, I will stand my ground. The Texans organization is known for wasting players' careers. Stop. Let's stop right there. The Texans organization is known for wasting players' career. Obviously, he's speaking... From personal experience, there he never really got a full taste of playoff success. He, you know, with Matt Schaub, he was successful there a little bit, but he never really got to taste. He never even sniffed an AFC Championship game, much less a Super Bowl. And don't you think by him saying that, that's also a perception around the league known for wasting players' careers? Man, that's that's strong enough. But he continued: since Jack Easterby has walked into the building, nothing good has happened in. Or for the organization. And for some reason, someone can't seem to see what's going on. Pathetic with three exclamation marks. Okay. Jack Easterby is a guy that never makes any public statements. And yet, this man has torpedoed this franchise to what could be a tough place to rebound from. I don't think it's ever going to get to that point. I don't think they're going to trade Deshaun Watson. I don't think he leaves. But to have a guy a preacher, basically, a culture coach, come in and dictate how your organization is run, that's shameful. And when Andre Johnson says, for some reason someone can't seem to see what's going on, that someone's obviously Cal McNair. I like Cal. He's a nice gentleman. Every time I've talked to him, super nice dude. I always enjoyed my time around Bob McNair as well. They're a great family. I never questioned Bob's willingness to win. Like when fans jumped all over the McNair family for years about, ah, oh, this guy don't want to win. They just want to sell tickets and all sorts of stuff. I never, I never bought into that because I just thought it was fans being angry at the situation. I, I knew Bob wanted to win. I, I know Cal wants to win too, but as opposed to Bob, I don't think Cal knows what he's doing. I don't, I don't think he knows what he's doing. Like, the press conference last week to introduce Nick Casario, the new GM, that was embarrassing. That was an embarrassing press conference. You're reading a statement off the top. Then, later on, you can't read the room as to what's happening right now, even in the country. Like, you don't use terminology like build a wall. Like, like that sort of stuff just blows my mind when I hear that sort of talk and then he's, he's asking questions to reporters he's trying to be chummy with them I know you kind of want to like show your personality a little bit but dude your organization is in crisis so when Andre Johnson says stuff like that that someone in that building doesn't know what's going on that is a huge red flag a Texans legend the only player inducted into the ring of honor comes out and just destroys your franchise that's something you need to pay attention to. And is the thing about Jack Easterby, man. Like, everybody in this world, we have all come into contact with somebody that fits the description of Jack Easterby, right? Like, we, we all, we've all been around someone who takes advantages of others' weaknesses to advance their own personal gain. There has been someone along the way, at every level... Every business, politics for sure, that, you know, there are people that take advantages of weakness, and that's exactly what we have here. Full example, that Sports Illustrated article that came out about Jack Easterby, Then there were so many leaks in there, it's hard to really go off of just one, but just if you just go off of one, it seems like total and utter chaos behind the scenes. And it's starting to boil over. The guy I feel really bad for is Nick Casario. Like, Nick Casario is a good GM. Like, he is a guy that, if it wasn't in this situation, a lot of people would be praising that higher. But the issue is, going back to the Patriots well, after having gone there several times, that's what fans are so upset about. So I feel bad for Nick Casario. He's walking into this situation. The GM search was a complete disaster. They go out and hire a search firm, and they don't listen to the search firm, which you could say was fine. I mean, if you don't like the candidates, it's fine. But what we're hearing is they were ready to sign someone else. They were ready to sign Omar Khan from the Pittsburgh Steelers. But then Jack Easterby came in and convinced McNair, this according to multiple reports that have come out, convinced McNair to then hire his friend Casario, who they tried to hire before, and brought him in. Like, that means that the whole general manager search process became a total sham, because you had to think that if one of those other guys came in, they were going to fire Jack Easterby. Like, Easterby's job wasn't in question before this Andre Johnson tweet. I sure hope it is now. Boy, he should have been gone yesterday. After this Johnson tweet, you got to let that guy go. Like, Cal's got to wake up. He's got to see his organization is the laughing stock of the league. And that's the biggest problem. And that's something that I'm going to get into with Mike Meltzer here in a little bit. The perception of the team is in the toilet. Like, what coach is going to want to come here? We've already seen coaching candidates not want to interview here. You have a top five quarterback in Deshaun Watson. You have a Hall of Fame defensive end and J.J. Watt. Those are two cornerstones of a franchise. Like, how can you not? How can you have coaching candidates turn down though this opportunity? I get it. There are better opportunities. Given that Bill O'Brien blowtorched the entire draft process, they have no picks. Uh, their money situation is out of control. Uh, so there are other issues to fix. The roster is totally depleted. They have no help around Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt with the exception of a couple of guys. They need to bring back Will Fuller. Justin Reed's a good player. I have no idea what happened to Whitney Merciless. But the perception around the league is terrible of this franchise. You cannot, and that's that's the biggest concern for me. Like You, you can't build an organization, a winning organization, as good as Nick Casario might be. You have to fix that perception. And the perception right now is, Of this team is not good. And it's centered around the presence of Jack Easterby. And that's what Andre Johnson's tweet. That's why it was so effective, I think. And I hope Cal wakes up. I hope he realizes what's going on with his team. Hope he realizes that. I mean, goodness gracious. You know, his father built this thing out of nothing. Everything else is rolling over there, man. They're selling season. Everything else is fine. This, This fan base wants a winner. They're nowhere near that right now. And if you compare them to other franchises, we've seen the NFL playoffs go on. I watched some of those games. Like, this team is nowhere close to that. And it's not J.J.'s fault. It's not Deshaun's fault. It's not Will Fuller's fault. Like, what Bill O'Brien did here was horrible. Like, he, he put this franchise, he said it back so many years, that the only saving grace to a quick turnaround is the fact that you have Deshaun and you've managed to make him so upset that he doesn't even want to talk to the owner. Imagine that. Like you have a guy, you have your player, your centerpiece player who won't answer the owner's calls, even if he's on vacation. Like (laughs) That's a great luxury to have, by the way, that you're not answering your boss's calls when you're on vacation. That, I mean, that's awesome. And he's so mad that he's dug in and what we're hearing, you know, I talked to Aaron Wilson, the Houston Chronicle. We had him on Sports Extra. What we're hearing is he's dug in, and Andre is backing him up. And when you have a legend like that backing him up, uh, that's a pretty tough spot for the organization to be. Really, really hard situation for Nick Casario. Like I said, I, feel, I genuinely feel bad for the guy because as of right now, not only does he have to rebuild the entire roster without any top picks, but he also has to pick the right head coach to get Deshaun Watson on board. And as of right now, if I'm if I'm Casario, I, I I'm not one to placate the players. But man, I, I tell Deshaun, hey, who do you want? Who do you want right here coaching you right now? And I will go get him. Because that is as that is how far we've gone down this rabbit hole. You've you've allowed the situation to get so bad that now you're forced to listen more. To the advice of players that maybe you had originally wanted to, to just remedy the situation. It's terrible. It's bad. I feel bad for the fans too, not just Nick Casario, but I feel bad for the fans. They're fed up. They're fed up. Um, guys like JJ have been showing their frustrations all year. Deshaun is showing his frustrations, and fans have the only guy that doesn't seem to get it is Cal McNair. And so I, I hope somebody can kind of break him of that Easterby spell and say, Cal, listen, buddy. We, we got to get this back on track because as of right now, it is a train off the tracks and um, it's not it's not heading towards a good uh, good destination. Whoo, man. Anyway, that's what I had to say off of that subject. Now I bring in Mike Meltzer, our guest today. We dive into these topics a little bit more, get a different perspective. He kind of echoes my points a little bit, but he also brings up some good uh, good points as well of his own. So Mike Meltzer is here to join me to talk about this Texans dysfunction.
1: Well, this Deshaun Watson chatter is alarming, to say the least. Uh, The fact that he seems so miffed by the team's hiring process. I I think the the weird part to me, Daniel, is on the face of it, I think Nick Casario is a perfectly valid hire, like in a vacuum. I think Casario is as qualified as any of these other guys to be the GM of, of the team. So I thought... Just in a vacuum, I think Casario makes a lot of sense. The problem, of course, is the, the, the reality, I guess, and the notion that Jack Easterby, who has basically poisoned the relationships within the building, and especially with the fan base, played a key role in bringing Casario here. I think a lot of people seem to have the impression during the season that Easterby might just go quietly in the offseason, since that seems to not be the case, I think it has now created sort of a poisonous beginning to Casario, who I'm not sure has – I don't know that Nick, maybe he's appreciating it now. I don't know if he truly knows, like, the Hornets' nest that he has walked into here. So, I mean, there was a report, uh, I think, by Albert Breer of the Monday, of, uh, Monday Morning Quarterback uh, on Monday morning that, you know, Cal McNair heard Nick Casario had a great interview with Carolina and was going to be the GM. So he basically freaked out, was like, we got to get him, which listen, that's fine. My thing is the Texans have not had a GM for the last three months. If they wanted to hire Nick Casario, that's fine. Why was this such sort of a last minute secret plane ride sort of deal? Like if this was their guy, why wasn't it more clear throughout this whole process?
0: I think you've always said it right. We've talked about it before. You've said it on your podcast. I think the direction of the Texans really went off the track when they let Gary Kubiak go and they kept Rick Smith. Yep. Um, that, I think, is where things started falling apart. Um, can you elaborate on why you think that as well? Because, for me, there has to be some semblance of structure Everybody's got to be on the same page. And from that point forward, it really has seemed that there have been a lot of voices in the room and nobody has been able to get on that same page.
1: Yeah, I go back to that because I just think you need to have your GM and your coach aligned in some sort of way. And so to me, when the Texans had an awful season in 2013, they had had Gary Kubiak and Rick Smith there for seven seasons, I think, by that point. And so it made sense to kind of cut the cord on both and to just start with a fresh slate. Well, the head coach gets fired. Then you keep Rick, which doesn't really make sense because Rick played as much of a role in their failures in 2013 as Gary did. So instead you have then a GM who then is part of the process in hiring the, head, the new head coach. But the new head coach ostensibly has more rope you know, or leeway moving forward than the old GM. There's a power struggle. Bill O'Brien wins. And then you bring in Brian Gain, so they're kind of off track. And then all of a sudden, like Gain gets fired a year and a half ago. It's just like it's just, it's a mess. And I always think with these NFL teams that these times right now are this is your opportunity right now. Not like when you hire people and things start going well or poorly, you know, a year or three in. Like right now, like this is the time to get things aligned to just basically clear clear out the old. And bring in fresh faces and start them equally, like from the same place. And I think keeping Jack Easterby is preventing them from doing that. And Daniel, I'll add this: I'm probably rambling too long, but Cal McNair said something very interesting on Friday when he said, "We don't want to. We are not Patriots South." And Cal McNair is right that they're not Patriots South because I will tell you this: like this specter of Jack Easterby. And what he represents is something the Patriots would never, ever, ever stand for, which is a massive distraction. Bill Belichick would never have somebody in, in his organization who's not like heavily involved in football operations. Who's not like a main person like him. He would never have allowed this kind of thing to fester.
0: Well, I think it was funny that right after that, he says they want to do it the Texans way. What is the Texans way? Dysfunction. I, mean, I- that really is the Texans way. And I think for me, we'll talk about Deshaun in a second, about you know, my thoughts about placating the stars and all that sort of stuff. We'll get there in a moment. But for me, my takeaway in that press conference was Cal McNair came off so bad. Like, I mean, he's reading a statement off the top, and and then the answers that he gave, it's like one of those things that you have to read the room a little bit here, my man. You like you have to like get what's going on around you what I've never run obviously a professional franchise but this cannot be that hard right like I mean you you have the opportunity like you said to clean the slate completely why is this so difficult and how have they bungled this so badly
1: I guess what it has to be Daniel is that there must be a disconnect between what the fans and the media think of jack easterby and what the impression is internally and i've i've seen this phrase used in a lot of the writing about the texans recently this culture of like toxic positivity usually people are too negative sometimes in life Um, and so you need to like think positively and such but there can be the the pendulum can also swing the other way where things are like overly positive and it becomes like a toxic thing when you have to sit there and say, okay, wait a second. Our quarterback is one of the five best in the league and we just went four and 12. Now yeah, you, you lost a bunch of close games and all that, but like even if you had won some of them, you, you were still a bad football team or a below average football team. Like there are big fundamental issues that have existed here. And I, I, I'm concerned that Cal has this impression that like they were somehow really close last year. They weren't. Like even though they led Kansas City twenty-four right. nothing. Like that was not that good of a football team, and that was a solid team, a, a playoff team. But I think the, their idea is like, well, this was like a one-off, and we'll get back to that. And yeah, they can easily get back to eight and eight, nine and seven, maybe ten and six, competing for the postseason. But when you have a quarterback like this, you need to be competing for Super Bowl. Like that's what you're ultimately trying to do to be a real contender. And I think your analysis is spot on. That there seems to be just no no feel or sense for what people think of the organization. Like if I was if I was preparing these guys for that press conference, to me, I would have approached like war, essentially. Like uh, like you that was a big that was a big press conference, and it seemed like Cal McNair was radically unprepared for it, which is
0: baffling to me well yeah I mean just just like I said reading the statement off the top I don't even know if he wrote that um and then the delivery wasn't did not you know breed confidence with a fan base that's watching that and then he starts talking about building a wall and going off on these weird tangents and asking our Matt Musil he asked Matt Musil if he's if his golf game is good my man, you are leading a franchise that is in disarray here. Yep. I mean, like I, you, that's obviously hard for you to answer. It, but how is he not getting it? Like, and I guess that brings me to my next point about placating your stars. Let's let's say you you are out of touch, right? Let's say yep. the owner's out of touch; he's not really. In, but I would think by now you are somewhat in alignment with your two main stars. And on the Texans, you only have two; the rest of it is pretty much nonsense two guys that you cannot upset and it seems like those all three of them are just on totally different wavelengths
1: yeah that's the really baffling part i mean i know that people have expressed some concern about okay we understand deshaun watson's a great player and a great quarterback but do you really want a 25 year old picking your gm like what does deshaun know about picking gms which is a totally fair point but And this was pointed out a lot, you know, it's about how they communicated the process to Deshaun. What it seems to be is, you know, Cal had at least dinner with him and probably a few other interactions the last couple months and made it clear to Deshaun, like, hey, you'll be involved in the process. We will get your feedback. And so to me, that indicates they don't have to take the advice of their search firm on their finalists. I'm cool with that. But if they're going to go off the board at the last minute and hire Nick Casario, I think the easiest um, thing to do is if you're telling Deshaun you're going to be kept in the loop, then keep him in the loop. Like, let him know, hey, this is what we're about to do. Here are reasons. Here's our explanation. Um, even like the Eric the Enemy thing, you don't want your players picking your head coach. Um, but I don't think it's a crazy thing, especially given Deshaun has a relationship with Pat Mahomes. Uh, the enemy is a seemingly a decent candidate around the NFL to just interview the guy. Um, so that, 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 that makes no sense. And I'm also deeply troubled and not a lot of people are talking about this, but the fact that Matt Eberflus, the Colts defensive coordinator turned down the interview request to me is deeply troubling about where their coaching service at like that. That just does not make a whole lot of sense to me. Like, I don't know if Matt's definitely getting a job somewhere else, He's someone who knows the organization because he plays them twice a season. You know, he and Deshaun, I think, have talked, like, back and forth about the looks they're giving him after games and such. And that, to me, would have been kind of a logical, possible place to go. And that happened after the Nick Casario uh, hiring about a week ago. So that also deeply troubles me right now.
0: Well, it's concerning, too, in the fact that, um, the perception around the league of what's going on here behind closed doors is, has got to be awful, right? I mean, and maybe the Iberflus thing, it was also because he looked at the roster too. You said they play him twice a year, right? He looks at the roster and it, it, he realizes that most of it is a dumpster fire, especially on defense, right? They, they have no, they have no real talent around JJ Watt, a couple of guys that you might want to keep around that can develop. But as far as contending right now, maybe that has to do with factor, but, I think more so for these potential head coaching candidates, they see what's going on and they see the just the the toxic positivity, like you said, of a guy like Jack Easterby. That was one of the rumors that was going around about Omar Khan, right? That Omar was going to get hired here yep. and immediately was going to get rid of Jack Easterby, but then Easterby worked his you know preacher magic and got Cal to think about Nick Casario again. I think that's going to be their biggest issue, right? And I, I don't know if you agree with me, but just the perception around the league, bringing in talent to help this squad get back to a winning uh, winning level.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think it's a major issue right now. Um, I, th- I think it's a major issue. The perception, like you have too many leaks from inside the building. I mean, I, I know not a lot of people are are kind of discussing this angle, but the fact that we've had you know pro football talk on Sunday, reporting that reporting the inside details of what happened with the search firm, that like, here were the finalists and Nick Casario was not one of them and they're negotiating with Omar Khan. Well, like if you, but let's leave aside the substance of that and what we think of it. Let's just talk about the fact that it's being reported. That means that someone is talking to Mike Florio about what happened in the process. Like who is that person or who are those people? Is it the search firm? Is it somebody in the Texans organization? Because either way, it is that would trouble me a lot if I'm Cal McNair that the details of my process to hire a GM is now public information. Like, to me, the minimum of what I'm spending to hire the search firm is however the search ends up going, it's going to be, you know, confidential in nature. The fact that that information got out to me is not a good sign. Like, they, one of the things that Texans need to do is like they, they have to stop the leaks. And, And I know it's like bad for people like us. But for them, they have to stop the leaks, and they need to go become, like, invisible for a while. Like, they, they cannot be a topic of conversation on a day there are three other NFL playoff games. Like, that's a, that's a minimum bar they have to clear given everything that's going on right now.
0: So what do you do with, uh, with Deshaun Watson now? Obviously, you're, you're not going to trade him, right? I've been, I don't I think the franchise is going to trade him. I know the reports of Miami and all that. I don't think that's going to happen. They're not going to trade him. Uh, do you just kind of go back to him and say, look, listen, sorry about all that after a couple of weeks go by and then just kind of let him do what he wants, get his guys – I mean, how, how, do you, how do you appease that situation? I'll ask you first about Deshaun and then JJ, what your thoughts on, on JJ moving forward?
1: Well, with Deshaun, I think part of it's got to be on him because there's a timeliness factor now. Like, Deshaun can be very upset about the GM search, and that's fine. But if he's not taking their calls, you know, they're running a head coaching search, right? So if the Texans are thinking, okay, Deshaun Watson is going to be a part of the process of at least letting him know as a sounding board who the next head coach might be or who the interviews are, well, he's gotta accept your phone calls. you know, Because otherwise, starting obviously Monday and this week and next week, however long it takes, they're going to be interviewing head coaches. So if he wants to be involved in that process, then I think at some point he needs to pick up a phone and let them know what he thinks.
0: What about JJ? Um, obviously it's it's on the organization. They've 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 got to decide where they want to keep him, let him go, become a free agent. I know they, they don't take a cap hit with his with his contract, it's the last year of the deal. Um, what do you think he's thinking right now?
1: I don't know what he's thinking. He sounded like a guy who during the season that this was going to be it. That's what it sounded like to me. Now maybe that changes and you know, part of that's him. Part of it is on what Nick Casario and the new head coach thinks. I mean, they have decisions to make like they're all with the salary cap and they can make some easy moves to get under it. But as far as like structuring what they're going to be in 2021, that JJ Watts 17.5 million cap hit is going to be something that they need to make a significant decision on. Like, do they want to keep him? Because if they do, it would make sense to maybe give him a small extension to kind of spread that out over two or three years. That's one side of it. Um, two, they may just not want him and may want to you know, sell him to the highest bidder probably at this stage, like with his approval. Um, and that's another way. Or JJ might just want out entirely um, in which it could be a trade, a release. I'm not entirely sure. I think that really comes down to what what does J.J. want? What does Nick Casario think of him as a player at this stage of his career? What does the new head coach think of him at this stage of his career? Who is the new head coach going to be? Is it going to be somebody who has, like, a significant say in this kind of decision? Or is this going to be much more of a GM-driven kind of thing because it involves the roster and the salary gap?
0: Who do you think should be the next head coach?
1: Well, I mean, I like Matt Iberflus. I like Robert Sala the defensive coordinator of the 49ers. I would be intrigued by Joe Brady, who's the offensive coordinator of the Panthers. Very young, you know, he's 31, but he had a lot of success at LSU last year. I thought he did a solid job with the Panthers. And this is not the case for all NFL head coaching jobs. But with this one, because the quarterback is the focal point, I would lean towards more of an offensive mind. I would interview Arthur Smith, the the offensive coordinator of the Titans. I don't know if he's like a, Head coach type, and because people had no idea who he was like two years ago, but he's done a really good job with uh, Ryan Tannehill and Derek Henry in that offense. So I would lean towards an offensive guy, but I would be completely fine Daniel with like one of the bigger name defensive coordinators, like a Sala, somebody like that.
0: So how do you think they they get out of this, man? Like what what what's the final resolution you get? Uh, the guy I feel bad for is Casario. Like you mentioned at yeah. the top, like, I, yeah. I, I legitimately think he is a good GM candidate. Yes. He is walking into that, like, meme, right? The, 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 the gif, the guy sitting in the coffee, <laughs> there, drinking a cup of coffee with a yeah. room on fire. That's yeah. Nick Casario right now. I mean, how does he go about putting out all those flames, in your opinion? If you were him, I'm going to put you in his, in his position yeah. right now. What, what would you do?
1: Well, I think he's got to take a full inventory of the organization and figure out, okay, if there are trust issues, you know, what exactly are they? Uh, Like, I understand that football teams sort of operate in a silo, and they might be thinking, well, this SI story about Eastonby is nonsense. Like, there are certain parts of it that are, like, completely not true, and that might invalidate the rest of it. But if I were him, like, I'd read stuff like that. And I'd say, okay, like, this is a national perspective on somebody who's being paid a lot of money in our building. What are the trust issues? I'd be talking to players. I'd, I'd be trying to talk to as many people as possible, you know, in NRG Stadium, figuring out like what those trust issues are um, in the organization. And I mean, here's the thing because Easterby is no longer the interim GM and now he's back to his old role, like a critical part of Easterby's job as, you know, the culture character guy is trust. And if that trust is broken, Like they're like, I don't know how he can possibly stay. And I would have like, listen, Nick Casario Easterby makes too much money. That's obvious, but Nick Casario makes more. Right. And he was just hired. So he's got the most juice in the building other than Deshaun. And so to me, if Casario, maybe this is unlikely because they, because Nick and Easterby seem to have a close relationship, but Nick Casario's fiduciary duty at this point is to make the Houston Texans as good of a football team as possible. And if there are major trust issues and the trust has been broken inside the building and he concludes that over his time, then I think they need to find a way to get Jack out of here. And I don't know if that's going to happen. I know they can do that, but that's what he needs to figure out. And he obviously needs to, you know, repair the relationship with Deshaun. And I will say this, Daniel, I do think that Casario of all the people there is best situated to do that because Casario is blameless when it comes to Watson, right? Because it's not, it's not Nick Casario's fault. Deshaun was not updated on this GM hiring process. That wasn't Nick Casario's job. And if I was Nick, I would tell Deshaun, like, listen, uh, like I couldn't contact you about me being hired. I think you're a great quarterback. Here's what I want to do with this team. Here's what I've seen what's happened in the past. And I do think that he is again, the best situated person in the building because of his recent hire to fix that relationship.
0: I just think as compared, when you're, when you're talking about issues with teams, I really think this has got to be one of the toughest situations to deal with. When you have somebody that is so toxic, but that one person has the ear of the owner, we've seen it several times. I mean, this is not the first time it's happened. I think it's the first time that it's happened here in Houston in a while. Um, but that I, that has got to be the hardest situation to overcome if you want to build a trustworthy and just yeah, successful franchise, don't you think? I mean, it's hard, to, yes. it's hard to get the owner to realize, bro, this guy is not good for what we want to do, especially if he's one of those guys that we've heard of Easter B being.
1: Yes. And one of the benefits to hiring a new GM and a new head coach, and this is something that Jamie Woods, the team president, pointed out this year, is that, well, the fans will settle down because those guys bring hope. Well, we've already seen they hired Nick Casario, and people feel worse because of the (laughs) Easterly thing and the Watson reports. So, like, that gives you no PR bump. And unless the new head coach is somebody who's like a bright, you know, young coach that gets uh, the stamp of approval from people, um, people are going to, like, you're going to start with a new GM and a new head coach with zero benefit of the doubt, zero honeymoon period. And I think that's a bad thing for the organization. But like, ultimately, I, I mean, what it boils down to, and I, and I hate to to go to this level, but like, like, we don't know if Cal McNair knows what he's doing. Uh, and so far, the evidence is that he does not because of the Brian Gain firing allowing bill o'brien to basically act like a madman for the last 18 months which to me by the way is still the biggest problem of this whole situation it's not what's happening now so much it's what's happened in the last 18 months like that's the bigger issue which has gotten them into this situation but to be fair to cal even owners like they don't need to be unbelievably sharp about football to have good organizations i mean jim is probably out some lunch half the time i think jim mercy of indianapolis runs a good organization like ultimately he got rid of Ryan Briggs and Chuck Pagano. He hired a good GM in Chris Ballard. They stumbled into Frank Reich, and they have a good situation. Uh, Nick Casario can be a good general manager, maybe an excellent one. We'll see. And I think, honestly, Daniel, like things were so bad with O'Brien that the Texans get a major upgrade just by having a general manager because while I don't know what Casario is going to do, I can guarantee you that there is not a chance in hell that Nick Vassari would have ever, ever made the Larry Tunsil deal or the DeAndre Hopkins deal two of the trades that got them into this mess.
0: I agree. They're going to have to win in spite of uh, the owner because I'm with you. I, 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 after this week, after this weekend, I, I really I don't know if he understands how to operate an NFL. NFL franchise yes. so there's that whole thing that you know before I would always get on fans cases oh well the McNairs don't want to win they just want to you know when Bob was still around right when, when Bob was here everybody would get on his case well these, these guys don't want to win they just want to make money just sell tickets sellouts and all that stuff I never bought that with Bob right because I, I genuinely thought that Bob was you know he was, he was a sharp guy um, he, he knew what he was doing as far as you know, he hired some good coaches Gary Kubiak was very successful here I know, Brian, you, you can argue whether that was a good hire or not. It kind of fell apart there towards the end. But I, I, initially, he was a hot candidate, right? Coming Definitely. out of Penn State, everybody thought he was good. But now, it's not that they don't want to win. It's just complete incompetence in not knowing how to win.
1: Yes, I, I would agree with that. I, I think Cal ultimately, uh, and this is why it's, it's like even more imperative that he make good decisions now. I think Cal basically just wants to run this like, hey – let me hire my football people. Like, let me do it, and let me just like enjoy guys like dancing on the field on Sundays. Like, I, I think that's how he wants to own the team. Yeah, like, I, think you're, like, I think
0: you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Like
1: that's why in the middle of the season when he did like one of those interviews on Texas Radio, he's like, you know, I I miss like those guys like with the with the rock boys thing on defense. And, like, I-, I think that's how Cal is that idiotic
0: rock boys thing, right?
1: <laughs> like, right. Well, I-, I never <laughs> want to see the rock
0: boys again, please. I
1: agree. <laughs> but like that to me is a good example of what Cal wants to do. like. He just wants like enjoy his football games on Sunday and not be in the muck of football operations every day and every week, which is fine. But you just have to have the sense to like, you know, get different perspectives, get an outside perspective, and and realize when a figure like Easterby has poisoned the relationship between the fans and the team, and maybe more importantly, just within the building itself.
0: Well, I think that's how people like Easter be. I think we all I, we all know people like that, right? I mean, we, we have all come across people that you know they, they kind of sense blood in the water and then they jump at yes. the opportunity, right? And I think that's. I mean, Jack, seeing what we see from Cal now, again, I mean, I you know I hate to attack the guy. We're just going off of what we see, seeing what we see. I, there's a reason why Jack has been able to stay around. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Especially with these reports that they might have been on the verge of hiring somebody else. And then Jack swoops in at the last minute and then brings his guy, Casario. And and this is one of those things that, like, there's nothing that the media can do, or especially the, the fans can do. Like, you can't, there's nothing that anybody can do to give Cal McNair a good sense of judgment. Like, people can stop buying season tickets or jerseys or anything. You can have empty stadiums. Like, that's not going to – like, that's not going to change. Like, that's not going to make Cal McNair make great decisions. You know what I mean? Like, people like to think it will, but I don't think that's the case. You just have to sort of hope that he comes to his senses. Or maybe in this case, as I was mentioning about 10 minutes ago, that Nick Casario comes to his senses and realizes what a bad situation this Easterby thing is within the organization.
0: I will say this, though. If by chance they do trade Deshaun – I think that's the first time we'll see people uh, give up those season tickets, and, and yeah, the effect, will, uh, and the effect will be, uh, I don't know, felt. I don't know if it will be felt, but that'll be that'll be the the moment where like, oh my gosh, what are we doing here? I think yeah, that'll I, be. I don't think it gets there. I don't think it gets there, but I think it, it will be something like that because you can you can kind of justify trading Hopkins. The return was an abomination. Fine, yes. i I'm, I understand that. But when, you, when you've got a guy like Deshaun so young and you've pissed him off so badly and then you trade him off, that, that, that would be a colossal disaster.
1: I agree, yes. I, I think it would be utterly catastrophic. I, I, wouldn't, even, I, I wouldn't even consider it. Like, I, I would trade Deshaun Watson for one player in the NFL, and I'm not getting that one player. Uh, that's obviously Patrick Mahomes. And otherwise, honestly, like, I'd rather play games and just go 0-16 for him to sit out. Like, <laughs> that, that's where I stand <laughs> on that personally. Like I, that's, that's where I'm at.
0: Well, Mike, appreciate it as always. Thanks uh, for joining me and uh, um, good luck on the road. Where, where, where can we catch you by the way, these days? I, I said what? it off the top, but where, where can we hear you?
1: Yes. People can hear me on Mad Dog Radio on Sirius XM where I fill in on a regular basis. Uh, the podcast I has been slow recently, but I'll be putting together more episodes um, in the next uh, couple of months. And I also co-host a podcast, the uh, the in the group chat podcast with Landry Locker and Cody Stutz, which you can find uh, on my Twitter. It is at the cast on iTunes and all the places people get their podcasts.
0: Thank you, Mike. Always great to talk to you, uh, especially about topics like this, which uh, you're so well versed on. You're so well read on. Um, I feel bad for him because he's a Jets fan. <laughs> But, hey, you know what? The Jets have a uh, top pick that they have to make here in this draft, unlike the Texans. Can you imagine? I think somebody brought it up on Twitter. Texans would have had the third pick in the draft. They could have had Devontae Smith. They could have had Devontae Smith of Alabama uh, with that third pick. Imagine him being paired up with Deshaun Watson. But, no, no, the Texans don't pick to the third round, and I don't think Devontae Smith is going to be available at the third round. So, uh, good luck to Nick Casario. Good luck to that front office because they got a lot of work to do, and hopefully things change for the better over there. Because this is a football town, the Astros may have been great there for a long time, but when the football team's cooking, this team is, uh, this city is alive, and that's what, uh, that's what I want to see, you know, as a Houston sports fan too. Anyway, thanks for uh, tuning into this episode of the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be bringing you more podcast episodes soon, more topics of conversation. So until then, see you later. Thank you.